0: Let us worship God.
1: from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up into the mountain. And afterward, he sat down. His disciples came to him. He began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for... Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called sons of God, children of God, sons and daughters of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs, the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you, and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be glad. Your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted prophets who were before you." Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
2: Thanks be to God.
1: Many, many years ago, I stood in front of a group of middle schoolers. I was going to teach them about mercy. And I said, you probably think this is a pitcher of water, but you would be wrong. This is you, and what it is holding is mercy. And I picked up a glass, and I said, you probably think this is a glass, but you would be wrong. This is the last person you were angry with. This is the last person who hurt your feelings. This is the last person who humiliated you. Now, I want you to tell me how much mercy you would like to give them. The class broke loose, and they said, not a drop, stop, 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 none, nothing at all. And it caught me by surprise. I expected a quarter of an inch. (laughs) So I put the pitcher and the glass down, and I said, today we're talking about the beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Jesus is telling us a couple of things just in part one and part two. He is telling us that we have mercy to give. So I want you to take just a minute, and I want you to think about the people you most care about. I want you to think about your best friend. I knew some of them had pets that they loved. So I said, I want you to think about your pets. Do you have mercy for them? Of course, they all said yes. So I picked up the pitcher and the glass again. And I said, now I want you to remember The person who hurt your feelings. I want you to remember the person who dismissed you completely. I want you to remember the person who offended you at recess. Tell me how much I should pour. And they said, all of it, all of it, every drop, don't stop, get it on the floor. Nothing in me anticipated that. I could not have imagined that they would have moved from not a drop. I thought maybe from a quarter of an inch to an inch, but I hadn't expected what seemed like a shift of consciousness, a change in their mind. So I pondered. What had I witnessed? How could I make sense of this? And what accounted for the fact that this genuine goodwill persisted throughout the day? It seemed like there was a deeper change of mind. What we understood, understand now with the words metanoia comes to us from the Greek, with meta meaning beyond after, or change? And noia, from the word noose, mind. So had they really moved so that there was a change of mind, so something was happening that was beyond mind? There was another thing that surprised me. And that was just the spirit in the classroom. The scholar David Brueggemann, Walter Brueggemann, the scholar Walter Brueggemann says that blessing is best interpreted like this. The life force of God's spirit given. Was that what was in the classroom? Had there been, when they were able to receive mercy or even notice the mercy they had to give and give it, had it been accompanied by the promise we see in this beatitude? Had it been accompanied by blessing, by the life force of God's creative generative spirit? Well, I've continued to ponder this experience over decades. And my effort to understand it as I was preparing to talk about mercy today reminded me of an experience Christmas time, 1970. It was the first time that I drove my very own car to my grandparents' house in the panhandle of Texas to celebrate Christmas. When I arrived, there was my granddad's warm, ever-present half-smile and my grandmother's wit, wit that could shut down an adversary and then warm up the room so everyone just felt loving laughter. When the two of them disagreed, she would offer some version of this. Yes, you may be the head. But I am the neck, and I have never been bashful about turning your head. (laughs) By contrast, though, my uncle arrived, a rather surly man, and took a chair right in front of the television. This was 1970, so there was a retrospective of the previous year with talk of the equity work racial equity work of Martin Luther King, Jr., the Kennedys, and Lyndon B. Johnson. My uncle became agitated and irritable. His voice filled the room with hate-filled speech. He breathed out his displeasure. His descriptions of each of these people robbed them of their humanity. I stood, I looked at my grandparents, picked up my my coat, and announced that I was going for a walk. Now, this was a tiny town. It had six streets that ran east-west, six streets that ran north and south. So, I could walk without getting lost, and my grandfather could come and find me. I felt his familiar gait alongside me, and we walked in silence for a long time. Finally, he spoke. He said, we may both agree that your uncle's anger and the hateful way he talks about folks means He does not think that he is like them at all or that they possess anything in common with him. Silence. But listen, when you become angry with your uncle or maybe hateful, you become more like him than different. And hate and anger that you carry around with you will bring the same painful power into the room that you felt as you listened to him just now. I let the obvious truth of that wash over me, and we walked in silence again. His words had jolted me, maybe a jolt out of judgment of my uncle, jolt out of that self-righteousness that always accompanies our anger. What he said might happen was already true, because all of the cousins thought that we were nothing like this man, and that he had no qualities that were anything like the qualities we possessed. My granddad had stepped alongside me and poured me a long drink of mercy. It was brimming over the top. It spilled onto the dirt road we were walking on. I had never noticed my hunger. I had never felt my thirst. I was hungry, hungry, hungry for words of justice, just like he spoke. He finally shoved both of his hands in his jacket pockets against the clear, night-cold sky. There was a brightness about him that I hadn't noticed before, and I always thought maybe it was just the yard lights of West Texas. But more recently, I have wondered if he was glowing. I have wondered if his mercy ushered in a moment where this change of heart had allowed me to see my granddad and allowed my granddad to see me. While both in the Texas porch porch lights and under those awful, harsh fluorescent lights of the eighth grade classroom, minds and hearts lurched into some new terrain. The kids didn't talk about their regret none of them said, oh, I'll say I'm sorry. And I didn't encourage it. My granddad did not shame me or nudge me to remorse. Instead, he brought mercy, and mercy brought the life force of God's creative power. For the kingdom of God is a realm where God's preference for mercy matters because it moves the heart, and it moves the mind. There is a real advocate of the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. All of you know his name. The world knows his name, Mahatmas Gandhi. Mahatmas Gandhi, in his autobiography, said that he read the sermon daily and prayed with the Beatitudes. We see the impact. More recently, the scholar N.T. Wright calls the Beatitudes our marching orders. He writes this, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the people who are hungry for justice. Blessed are the pure of heart. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are those who lament, blessed are the poor in spirit. This is how the victory is won, not by God sending in the tanks, but by God sending in the meek and the merciful and the hungry for justice people, by God sending in the peacemakers. And so I think you know what I am going to ask you. I'm going to ask you if, since mercy is new to us every single morning, I am going to ask you if you have poured yourself a fresh brimming over the top glassful this morning, how much would you give yourself? Take a moment and be sure your glass is brimming. And then I'm going to ask you, much as I did the children, Is there some place else that today you would like to pour mercy and just keep pouring and just keep pouring? Because this is the thing that ushers us into a place that we can receive God's blessing, which is the life force of God's creative spirit poured out. And remember that... God is sending out the merciful, the meek, the peacemakers.
2: we I'm not the only i mm-hmm.
0: Let's pray. Holy God, you have fed us in silence, in word, in cup, and in mercy. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise.
1: You are the people of God, the very people that these words were spoken to so long ago that carry across time to us. As you go today, take a brimming cup, gather one in the morning, and go into, as Gandhi said, God's groaning world, giving mercy.
0: And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love, be and abide with you this day, this week, and
1: evermore. Amen.